Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, it chooses what really happened to that soccer team lost in the woods and what supernatural force has followed them all these years later. We'll discuss season two of the Showtime buzzworthy series, Yellow Jackets. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. And finally. Rebecca, I promise not to eat you. Oh, um, well, <laughs> if you do, can you do the butt meat first? Because that is the most nutritious. It's where all it the is protein tender. is and the flavor. Yeah. Everybody the watched alive. We all know that. <laughs> and finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Toby, what is the most delicious part of you? <laughs> I, go now. I think you got to wow, have somebody a, else, right? That's a trick question. Yeah. I'm for me. I'm going with butt. I mean, it's it's butt for everybody, right? I I I think it's probably the most tender, right? I think your boobs could be like pork belly or something. You know, it depends on how it's seasoned and and cooked. <laughs> I, I was once told by a butcher that like you know a loin a loin cut a loin is sort of any muscle that doesn't get used a lot. Yeah. So that's why in Alive they had to eat the butt because those were soccer players mm-hmm. and all oh. their muscles. They were got rugby players, for oh, God's sorry, sake. Sorry, sorry. They were athletes and all of their muscles got used a lot. And the only one that's like big enough is the butt. Yeah. Think about what you hold. You, you hold all of your attention. It's in two of the biggest muscles is your shoulders and your, your gluteus. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you get massaged there, it feels so good. All right. Well, it's it's being tenderized. It'd be taste so good too. Oh my goodness! <laughs> All right. So Kevin, before we put on our togas, what do you think would be the tastiest of the four of us? The tastiest? Yeah, Lara. <laughs> <laughs> here's why. Because she's pre-marinated. No, no. Here's why. She's oh, pickled. Jesus she's Christ. pickled. Yeah. <laughs> and she eats the best food out of the four of us. More most consistently of the four of us. I do. Oh wow! You know how like you know how like when you buy beef, they're like grazed on the finest grass. That's just marketing. And when you buy chicken, they're like fed on the finest feed. Laura eats most consistently the best food. She eats at like James Beard Award winning restaurants like four times a week. Yeah, literally, and belongs to a wine club and. It's just shameless about it, right? We have like meal kits and stuff and I'm a good cook and everything. And like, you know, we've got to make good cocktails, but Laura, James Beard nominees. <laughs> yeah. She's friends with them. And her one of her best friends is the Lint Master Chocolatier. I think she's got- But I, I also cook though. I do also cook. I know. Well, for, for even forget that, though, because I cook, too. But forget that. You have oh, okay. all the other advantages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. And I ate kale this week. So, so Laura, at the, at the next Crime Writers on Meetup, mm-hmm. if we have to draw cards. We should play Bitey. And one of us flees into the woods, it's 100% going to be you. No. OK. We should just play Bitey like Shiv and Tom. And, and decide Spidey. right there. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're going to say, succession. the wilderness chooses, the wilderness chooses Bricker. Yeah. It chooses. And then- <laughs> All right. So, Kevin, this is obviously Monday's fine podcast. Mm-hmm. What is happening on Thursday's show? On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the Netflix documentary, Victim Suspect. Okay. We're not going to be making too many jokes when we talk about that one. 
No, I get them all out now. Yeah, yeah, get all the jokes out now because that is a heavy one. It, very good, though. I'm just going to like tip my hand a little bit. All right. I think we should just get to it because a lot to talk about, maybe, about uh, Bella Jack season two. So, Kevin, should we drop that first clip now? Let's do it. Let's get it done. Buzz, buzz. Leading off. Oh, seriously, are we just not going to talk about how she's out in the meat shed all day with dead-ass Jackie? Mari, leave it alone. It's been two months. Give her some time. All right, she's still grieving. Yeah, or she's gone full on Norman Bates. Teenage Shauna and her stranded soccer teammates face death during the brutal winter after their plane crash in the wilderness. As the birth of Shauna's baby approaches, the Yellow Jackets are desperate for food. Meanwhile, Lottie emerges as a spiritual leader, getting the team to connect to the supernatural powers of the forest. We're tuning into nature and to each other. That connection is what's going to protect us and we need to nurture it, especially now. The new life is coming and we can't wait to meet him. Back in the present day, the police home in on Shauna and her family for the murder of her lover, Adam, as Misty attempts to throw an internet detective off the track. A troubled Thaisa reunites with Van as they join Natalie and the others at the cult-like self-help commune run by Lottie. With the world closing in on them, are the surviving Yellow Jackets ready to confront their long-held secrets? It's time we finally fucking... Talk about it. Not gonna solve shit with talking, Nat. This isn't something that therapies can fix. Something guided you all here. Showtime's Emmy-nominated Yellow Jackets returns for a second season. We see the teenage survivors take their first steps toward the foreshadowed nature-worshipping, antler-wearing, cannibalistic tribe they'll become, while their adult selves are drawn to their one-time woodland priestess for answers. Did the Yellow Jackets escape the malevolent force of the wilderness, or did they bring it back with them? Spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about plot points from Season 2 of Yellow Jackets, so if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. So, Laura Bricker, there's a phenomenon in television known as the sophomore slump. And what that means is that sometimes the first season is great, mm-hmm. and the third season might be great, but you have to get through season two to get there. <laughs> yeah. Your first note indicates to me that you think this show might be suffering from a sophomore slump. Yeah. And I, I feel the reason that I feel that way is that there's only, at the time of this taping, one episode left. And like stuff has happened. We've seen some of these, you know, people as adults that we hadn't seen before. There's been some activity, but a lot of it, feels like I'm waiting for like more information to be released. Like I don't feel like a lot of my questions are getting answered and I'm starting to feel like, oh shit, they are going to make us wait until the third season to answer all these questions. And that's fucking annoying. Hmm. So Toby, there are two storylines here. There's obviously the kids in the woods and there are the adults. How do you feel about what's happening in the adult storyline? Because that seems to be the one that most people are kind of talking about in terms of like the flaws of season two. Yeah, well, I think you could kind of choose them at random, right? But the adult, uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's strange because A, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of continuity from the first season. Like, I feel like they kind of lost some of the things that were going on, like, you know, is there no fallout from Misty killing that one detective woman? Like nobody is like looking for her or cares what happened to her. Uh, Ty just seems to abandon her wife and child just kind of takes off. So there's all these things that kind of get left behind. And then I think the second thing is, I don't know. I just don't feel like for having watched like however many episodes we've watched, was it like seven or eight Mm -hmm. at this point? Has the ball been moved down the field at all? Essentially, what's been accomplished is they've all shown up at this ashram or whatever it is, but nothing else really seems to have happened, right? I mean, the even like the investigation where you have, you know, a few like episodes of things, it doesn't feel like there's any more danger to them or it doesn't really feel as though, 
you know, the police have really advanced their case a whole lot. I mean, they're suspicious, but they were suspicious when they started. So I don't know. It feels like you're just watching a lot of stuff that adds up in the end to not a whole lot. And especially like this whole like Juliette Lewis, like I feel like they kind of felt like they had to write a part for her. But what did, what happens to her? Like what, what, it you know, is there like an arc to what's going on? I mean, does her plot advance in any way? It just doesn't seem like it. It seems like she hangs out there, stabs somebody in the face, and then realizes that maybe she shouldn't and she should be nicer. And that seems to be about as far as we've gotten. Who the fuck are you? Okay. Rude. Rude? You kidnapped me and then strapped me to a fucking bed. We were afraid you were going to hurt yourself. Wonder where we got that idea. Who's we? I'm not supposed to talk to you. Are you doing a really good job of it so far? So, Kevin, we had last season Melanie Linsky murdering someone. Mm-hmm. I think the best example of a TV show that managed to like carry tension season after season after season was The Americans. I know I talk about it all the time. But that's a show where you're like, there's no possible way that you could feel this way next season. And you always did. So this is season two, right? And like Melanie Linsky literally murdered a guy and is hiding it. And now her husband and child know, right? I don't think it should be hard for that to feel suspenseful. But you send me a note indicating that you don't give a shit about that story. (laughs) No, I don't. And by the way, I'll I'll just acknowledge for our listeners that uh, we understand that last night, as you're listening to this, was the season finale. And so maybe all of our questions get answered. And we did this last time where we did just before the finale. And we're like, this is what we think might happen. And you know, to see how wrong we might have been. So that being said, no, I I don't actually care so much because they've taken away the real stakes, right? Because the reason, you know, we were interested in the Shauna Adam plot is because we suspected that Adam was not who he said he was and that he was somehow tied to this, this present day effort to pull out of the surviving yellow jackets details about what happened in the woods. And so now we we learned that no, he was just a guy who had an affair. So now if the stakes are, well, we don't want her to get caught being dead, it's like, okay, fine, that's fine, but our real interest in him was to the larger story. I think I think the plot doesn't move forward in either timeline very much because in the teenage timeline, they are literally stuck in a cabin hmm. the whole time. And it's just like the plot. The plot is stuck there in the cabin. And the adults are pretty much mulling around this cult compound. Literally, nobody's going anywhere. Yeah. And so thematically, nobody is going anywhere. And I feel like they've just been running in place this entire season. I will say the team plot line does start to pick up towards the end of the season, but they really have kind of moved away in both plot lines from this, you know, the more X-Files, campsite fire story, you know, supernatural element that really made this compelling in the first place. So one of the things for me that brought a lot of attention to season one was that there's a bunch of shit that happened to the girls in the past that they are keeping secret in the present, right? Right. And there might or may not be a supernatural element, which I think the words are really chipping away at that it's supernatural. I'm, I'm thinking less and less that it's supernatural, and that it's just starvation, right? I actually like, like everything sort of points to all the fuzzy edges are just like they're fucking hungry, right? But one of the things that really broke the kind of wall for me in terms of um, the tension was when Jeff told uh, Shauna's daughter oh, by the way, your mom had a baby when she was out in the wilderness. (laughs) Like, it was my baby, it was a boy. Like, as a viewer, I kind of felt like, wasn't that supposed to be a fucking secret? That was part of, like, the mystique? Because in my mind, everything that happened there was verboten. Like, we weren't supposed to know that shit in the present day, which is why all these women were so damaged. And to find out that, like, All that stuff is known. Like, Jeff knew all that stuff, and he married Shauna anyway. And I'm like, 
What is actually known? That what is the secret? Well, it's also you think about the first present day scene, which is Shauna in the kitchen with that reporter, who's like you know offering money to write a book or whatever. We find out that that's all fake. Nobody really cares. Nobody's inquiring about what actually happened in, in the woods. So it's kind of like. Oh, well, there are no stakes left. Yeah. I just kind of feel like Jeff is going to turn around and say to someone else, oh, your mom ate her friend in the woods. But does he even know that? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Jeff is, is, I think, going to be a bit of a wild card, Rebecca. I agree. I mean, I actually kind of like Jeff. He's like kind of my favorite character in the show. Well, and I think he's starting to have a shift in the later episodes, especially when he has that really strange dream sequence where like all of a sudden Shauna's hands are like moving drills and she's like, "Ah!" she has the electric knife hands, like like the 1970s Thanksgiving dinner, electric knife hands. She's going to chop him up like a turkey and eat his butt. I don't know. What happened to your hands? Oh. Don't pretend that you don't like this. Why the fuck would I like it? Because it's exciting. Oh, no. Well, Lara, we did finally get some cannibalism, though, this season. Yeah. I mean, so obviously the whole first season, there is this sort of thing, this overlying cloud of did they eat Jackie? Did they eat somebody? Are they cannibals? And and you see right from that first scene in season one when somebody's running, you see somebody running and they like land on this spear and they get impaled and you're like, oh, God, cannibalism. So but nothing ever is revealed in season one. And then right Check off, off in slurp season, is what they call that. Yeah. And season two, not only do we get the cannibalism, we get the. Oh, Jackie didn't like this so fucking gross, didn't like totally burn because she wants us to eat her. But then it becomes just like a free for all. And a part of me wishes that wasn't the way the story went, because to me, the suggestion that that's what happened was more suspenseful and interesting than actually seeing this like absolutely disgusting scene where it did happen. And I feel like they did that. It was more for shock value than storytelling at this point, if that makes sense. No, it does. And Toby, I keep thinking about this because I am a person who can't handle suspense and horror. I just can't. So with a show well, like Yellow Jackets. No. But I'm sorry. Right. Go ahead. So no, it's true. With a show like Yellow Jackets, like I will very often read like the bare bones recap before I watch the show just so I know like, can I watch this or not? There was one episode of this season that I could not watch, like, period. I was like, I can't watch that one. I did watch the cannibalism one. Do you feel like season one was restrained, except for the abortion episode, with the attempted abortion episode, which was not restrained, but at the same time was restrained. Do you feel like this season is just, like, inserting too much stuff to try to be body horror stuff? Because I do, I think that it is, like, a flip from season one in that way. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this, but it does seem that sort of the extreme stuff that's going on this season amongst the girls makes it seem a little less real. And I, I don't know, like sort of the, uh, not that not that it was ever like a real uh, perceptive look at, the emotions or or whatever of, of, of all these girls, but this does sort of start kind of goes into sort of the fantasy realm almost, you know, with people seeing things and, you know, this cannibalism. And then there's this, you know, where they're going to pick cards and whoever gets the queen with the scratched out eyes is going to be sacrificed and eaten. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Like a question I have about this was, did they like write out like the whole narrative and say, okay, this is going to take three seasons or four seasons or whatever it's going to be? Or did they do the first season and then they got renewed and they're like, okay, well, I guess we got to figure out what comes next. Because that's the way it feels to me. It feels to me like they're like, oh, all right, well, uh, let's see. What should we do here? Because it doesn't feel very consistent. and. I don't quite understand what they're trying to do. Do you feel like you have any greater understanding of any of those teenage girls than you did when the season started? Do you think anything has been revealed? I I, I just don't. Like I, it seems like they're exactly the same way they were, 
with the possible exception, like this, the, the most, the most interesting moment for me for this entire thing is when young Juliet Lewis picks the card and without any conversation or anything else, it's like Shauna's gonna kill her with a knife from behind. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. there's no debate. Shauna doesn't seem to have any particular problem with doing it. And they're hungry. They're, I mean, they're hungry, but it's like, but it's like, it's her. It's like Shauna will do it. And this whole time Shauna's like, you know, I, I think it's the person you're supposed to most identify with out yeah. of everybody. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, she's going to be the one who's just going to cold bloodedly kill this person who, who they grew up with. They're not going to draw cards to see who has to do it. Is something that she's perfectly willing to do. Which is interesting because she was the one that seemed so unstable there for that period of time after, you know, the baby died. But then we see that horrible fucking beating scene where she like, that was a scene I actually had a hard time watching. Where she's just mm. kill, like beating the fucking shit out of Lottie. So it's like at that point, is that sort of that scene, the point of no return for Shauna? And then after that, She's just the one that's going to like beat the shit out of people and kill them. Yeah, but but I would say that there is a point of return because we do see her come back in return. Like like when we ask folks, hey, you were once a patron on Patreon. Come back to us. <laughs> oh, Kevin, what a transition. We have so many great things now transition. on Patreon. Go back to the, the piss cliff and throw your <laughs> piss pot off just like you want to return to our Patreon. <laughs> I wouldn't compare the two things, but <laughs> as long as the music is playing, yes. it all comes into the business section. I was just trying to help you like, make it more con- more continuity. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me tell you that right now, if you go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media, you can get advanced episodes ad-free of Crime Writers on. You'd already have heard our reviews of uh, Yellow Jackets yesterday. If you had uh, subscribed, by the way, if you want to try for, you can try free for seven days. You can get us at the let's do what we do level. You'll get all the crime writers on episodes, plus great podcasts like Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast, Marry with podcast and Leave it to Bricker. Now, Laura, I just want to say that on the latest Leave it to Bricker, you take a, an episode of Pet of the Week. And you bring it alive, it has to do with a, it's a little mouse. This one, this mouse, though, is alive, right? This isn't yes. like one of those hallucinations. mouse. Yeah, you can. No. Like in Yellow Jackets, but go ahead. Yeah, tell us yeah, about no, this. this. This isn't a Yellow Jackets one. This is, um, this was a few weeks back. We had um, Exeter firefighters were out at a brush fire and um, a little mouse hopped on uh, the captain as he was walking out and we had this amazing photo i made it pet of the week but we had a lot of questions because one of the reports was that this mouse had jumped three feet um Mm -hmm. to get to this guy and and i was like i I needed more well let me just tell you that i just give you a little hint got more than i bargained for because this particular fire captain used to work in california fighting forest fires full-time before he came to exeter and that is not for the faint of heart. Mm. So um, there is a little bit of everything in this episode of Leave it to Bricker. Yeah, so for more of that, you definitely want to join us on Patreon. Also, Toby, uh, tell everybody what book they have to be reading for the next deep dive. This is by uh, Patrick Radden Keefe, right? One of your favorites. Yeah, he's awesome. It's uh, Rogues, which is a collection of articles that he wrote over the course of a bunch of years. Uh, I think almost all of them for The New Yorker, uh, but they're they're great. Very, very fun read. Great. All wonderful stuff. Just go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media and sign up today. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, so Kevin, how long can you handle dread in the forest? Dread of starvation. How long have we watched Coach Ben or where the fuck his name is just starving <laughs> to death? <Ben. laughs> how long have we watched them making like soup with belts? How long have we watched them just like, I mean, they're starving. Yeah. Well, it's I- kind of dull it is right this is what i'm saying they're stuck in the cabin we're stuck there uh with them i don't know what it says for me that the most unsettling 
moment, and I mean like viscerally unsettling for me emotionally, was when they started episode six and they changed the theme song, right? Because usually the theme song has the synthesizer riff. But they played it again and like they they stripped that away with just sort of the chords and it was fucking scary. It just put me on edge. First of all, I'm thinking like I'm going to see something crazy in the credits. And then it was kind of a weird episode on top of that. But I was just so unnerved. I didn't know what else to expect. And for me, a little bit, the, the series started to come alive again as we lean into the more supernatural parts of what the story might be. Um, but yeah, I mean, who thought uh, the Moog synthesizer had uh, so much power? But if that's the most interesting thing of the whole season for you, it's well, the most right? interesting. I think it was the thing that that made me the put me the most on edge. So, Laura, they brought in Elijah Wood as Misty's boyfriend. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why, but you seem to enjoy his character. <laughs> Wasn't he like little Frodo Baggins? In, yes, in he was. He was in lots of he's stuff just, in the '90s, but he was so also cute. Frodo Baggins. Over the wings. I just. So that's why I just find it. I, I thought that character was just so funny because he was like. He was like a little, obviously, eccentric male version of Misty. But I, I just, I enjoyed how they met on this, like, online sleuth board and that they had been following each other and they'd been investigating each other. And, like, he knew everything about her and she knew about him. And I enjoyed the little interrogation scene on the boat. Did you see them with Natalie? Did you see them with Natalie? No, no, they mostly hung around their van, but they were wearing purple. All purple, like a wacky club or something. And you didn't think that was weird? Why are you just telling me now? I don't know, man. A lot of crazy shit happens to that place. Did you ask them why they were there? No, but I did call them dicks for drinking all the fan out of the soda machine. So, you know, I thought that was that was fun. And back to what Kevin was saying about the supernatural element, that was, I, I started hoping for, I was like, is this an imagined part of the show or what? But for me, where that particular storyline started to get a little more interesting is when Coach goes in the tree. And I'm like, oh, my mm. God. What was that show, Dark, that we watched? Was yeah. that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, And they, like, went in the tree, and then they went to a different time. And I'm like, oh, maybe something interesting is going to happen in the tree, aside from all these bones on the ground. And he's going to have a portal to another universe. Like the coach <laughs> could just vanish, and all of a sudden he comes back. Yeah, he's going to come back. the same age. Yeah, Whoa. and he's gonna Laura, he's I think gonna be, you, that's a great rewrite. <laughs> that was a very that was a very lost moment to me. And alive and No, it was a very lost moment where there's yeah. an alternate option in the woods for survival, right? That may not that may be warmer and different. So I have a like, plane crashes and that's what like, reminds there's me of like, lost. There's some fan like theories out there which are interesting to me about the dripping and about the trees. So one of the theories is that there's like a methane leak in the cabin, which is causing hallucinations of the dripping and so forth, uh-huh. uh, which is why everyone's going nuts, which is, you know, interesting. Uh, but with the, the whole idea of there being like a warm, like bubble underneath the ground where you could like have a warm spot also sort of goes with like there being like a methane bubble under the mm-hmm. forest. Uh, anyway, it's Don't a whole- smell like farts? What? Where does it all smell like farts? <laughs> Methane doesn't See, smell like farts always, all the time. So Toby, it's I, Toby's face. The fart theory. So Toby, you also have questions about what's happening in the forest, right? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, there's just stuff going on. Like Misty's friend's body disappears and we don't know, like. Bears. Now we know that Javi's like hung out in this cave, but just doesn't seem like that's enough to have kept him alive. You know, not to mention all the bizarre actions and stuff. And I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what this last episode is like, because I think like you always, you you always kind of run this balance between teasing and then the payoff. Right. And I feel like almost this entire season, has just been one long tease and you don't have to pay off like the big stuff. But you got to pay off something at the mm-hmm. end of the season, right? You can't just end the season and have all this stuff still up in the air. That just doesn't seem like you're kind of playing fair with the audience. 
So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, they try and resolve. I assume they can't resolve. I mean, there's just no way you could resolve everything in an hour. So they're going to have to have another season if they re-up it, which I guess they will. I do like your alternate like storytelling um, idea of this season of Yellow Jackets. Do you want to like talk about that for a sec? Sure. I think with, with very with very little alteration, you could really make this like a horror movie about this assistant coach who gets stuck in the woods with these absolutely insane <laughs> girls. And they, she just watches them like, you know, their descent to complete insanity and cannibalism and stuff. And he just, he's only got one leg. There's nothing he can do about it. It's like mean girls. So he's with just antlers. basically <laughs> trying to stay alive and, you know, just trying to keep on people's good side, but Dreaming about also his realizing, <laughs> yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, maybe I'll just hang out in my bedroom and, and like think about my boyfriend back home. Maybe I'll just sharpen my crutches so I can walk through the snow. <laughs> yeah. I mean the whole, it is, I mean, it's interesting because he's not really centered. Like you don't see a whole lot through his eyes. Mm-hmm. So you're meant to kind of go along with all this craziness and kind of see it as being inevitable or understandable or just something. But if you were just watching it through his eyes, I'm sure it would just be like, this is just getting super, super weird and scary and dangerous, like really quickly. I actually do think you see a lot through his eyes. I think you see too much through his eyes with no payoff. There are these extended starving dream sequences with him for like Four episodes. And every episode, you're like, this is it. He's going to die this time. And he doesn't. But they never do anything with it. It's like, it's just an extended, everything is extended. Even the mouse thing took like four episodes for you to realize that it was a hallucination. Like everything is just so long. Yeah. Well, I just feel like he shouldn't even be alive. Like the dude freaking lost his leg in season one. He should have had gangrene and been dead. There is no way that all this time later, he is still hopping along in his crutches and fine with no actual medical care, except for Misty, who took her like CPR course or whatever. And he didn't eat Jackie like everyone else did. Yeah. So like, how is he still alive? I mean, I don't know. That That's my whole thing. I'm like, it just, there's a lot in this that makes you, you have to suspend disbelief. And I wanted to say about you the whole- suspend disbelief that an adult wouldn't try to take charge <laughs> the whole yeah, time. Just yell. But- I mean, there's so much what kind like of you coach was he? He was an assistant. He was an assistant coach. coach. He, we call those caddies. <laughs> he was just carrying the bag, just like Missy. But I mean, the other thing is like you're, we're talking about like the theories about why they're all going crazy and everything. And I'm thinking about the scene where, okay, now they're adults and they're like remembering what they used to do out there. And they're talking about, okay, the thing is here and it is time to like sacrifice one the the wilderness will choose or whatever. I feel like that whole part is like a group. I don't want to say hallucination, but like a group belief that's not even that. That's what they came up with as a coping mechanism. There is no supernatural element, even though that would make the story more interesting. This is how they dealt with the fact of what they did. What they did, they projected it onto something other than themselves that made them do it. And that is now the belief that they're still holding on to as adults while they're all still super fucked up. So I'm kind of hoping something more interesting happens. But to me, that just seems like, okay, we all have like group psychosis and this is what we believe. I don't disagree with you. And I do have one fear about the show. It has been explicitly laid out that Lottie as a child had like mental illness of some kind, like schizophrenia or something. They don't specifically say, right? And that she was taking medication or whatever and then wasn't able to take it when she was there. And Ran then, out, yeah. Right? So my fear for the show is that Lottie's mental illness ends up being the thing that makes her a leader and they all get pulled into her mental illness with her and that becomes, quote, the dark thing that they, quote, brought back mm. with them. Mm. And that this ends up becoming some sort of mental illness delusion that ends up becoming like a glorified, stigmatizing mental illness story. That is my fear for this show. Anybody ever watch Saint Elsewhere? Yes. Did anyone remember exactly how it ends? Yes. So it's this, for those who don't remember, it's this hospital drama takes place in Boston and it has all these great characters. Denzel Washington got his start there. His start there. David Morse. David Morse. Mark Harmon was on it. Uh, Howie Mandel. 
And in the end, so it goes, I don't know, six, seven seasons. The final shot of the season was there's this kid has a snow globe and inside it is the is the hospital. Like, and it's like, well, I wonder what he thinks about goes on in that hospital. And it's like, come on, man, that was fucking stupid. Yeah. So hopefully it's not like some weird bait and switch. This was crazy. This didn't really happen. You know, I. I think that there's a supernatural thing there, at least. I want there to be just so it isn't just like a mental illness thing. Well, who's leaving all the carvings and stuff? I mean, it, yeah. it seems like there's... It's all got to be connected somehow. I, told you, I think they do have what they call a Bible, which is a show Bible, which shows, you know, maps out the big thing, what it is. They're just not getting there fast enough, right? Well, they're not even giving you hints. Like you don't, you don't have any better idea of what's going on. No, no, there were more hints than season one. The first season, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just more weirdness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even in Lost, which ended up not answering any questions, you got, you felt like you were going somewhere, even though the smoke monster was really a chain. Okay, that's an answer. And (laughs) Jacob's in the the lighthouse. Smoke monster was a security system that's never explained. Yeah, and in the end, they find out. No, they're all dead. They're in heaven. Okay, that makes sense. No, no, no. They were in heaven later. Later in one of the timelines. (laughs) I mean, it's very. It went back in time. They're gonna like wake up in the plane and be rescued, and all of this. Never progressed. So can we just talk the about the also but imagine how can that, how could that be? Because it, it, with the two timelines, I mean, it, I no, I don't it can't know. be. It can't be. Okay, so can we just talk about the ashram thing? First yeah. of all, can we just take a vote? Does anyone think that those two Greek chorus girls are going to survive? Yes or no? Which two Greek chorus girls? Are you These know? two characters that have emerged as like characters in the show who are like walking in the present around. Day? No, in, in the purple? old, the old school day. Oh, you they're mean not present like tense characters, but they've emerged and they're like the judging Misty. Oh. They've become the one who important. you always get confused with Lottie, and then yeah. the, and yeah. the one with the mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. we don't see them, so I'm assuming they're dead too. Yeah, you think they're dead now? Yeah, they got to chase somebody their death. If if you don't run into them, like in the at this point, like I still I still keep waiting for like some like one legged dude to like have something to do in the modern day thing, but hey, it could happen. Not so far. Okay, ashram. Is yes. it an, okay, so uh, cult, not cult. Uh, are they prisoner? Are they not prisoner? You make honey. You have tests. Uh, Lottie wears a Rolex. I mean, it's very confusing. It's mm. sort of like an amalgamation of everything we've ever heard now, the true crime podcast we've covered about this yeah. shit. It's a Patreon gone it's wild. It's kind of boring. Um, thoughts about the cult situation? I'd love to go do a roundtable about that. Lar, would you join? Would you not join? Thoughts? Well, it's interesting. I, I have to say, it, I feel like, like you say, it's kind of a, a mashup of all the cult stuff. I mean, right off when they're like the people in the purple clothes or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like Heaven's Gate um, who had like the purple sneakers or whatever they had. Um, and then you're thinking, oh, now it's going to get interesting. Shauna's going to have to kill a goat. No, just kidding. Um, so it's it's interesting because so far it seems more of like a wellness sort of. I mean, I think something more nefarious is probably going to happen, but I'm like, okay, they've got the float tank. Okay, they're working on the farm. Okay, they're sitting in the circle talking. But I think the part about that that is the most interesting is that Lottie is behind the scenes fracking. And that is where I think we're going to see what's really happening there like she thinks she's talking to a therapist and then there's actually nobody there rebecca mm-hmm. called so, that about one minute before that was revealed she yeah. spotted i was that. like there's no way that therapist is real yeah so i don't know i mean i think they could have made it a little bit more of an interesting cult because they're all just like do 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 and then like juliette lewis uh, gets to go on like a road trip with her cult partner whatever that younger girl with the cool hair is so and the fork if it stab was, yeah, so like they couldn't leave if it was a cult cult. So I don't know. I think they could make it a little bit more culty. Toby, what do you think? You're our resident cult expert. What do you think about this cult situation? Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's just a wellness place. I, I feel like I've seen a bunch of shows about this kind of thing. There's one with Nicole Kidman called like 12 Perfect Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched another a movie that was kind of like this where it's all like, wellness but kind of creepy and and sort of like a a semi mystical kind of leader um you know something they don't do which w- would possibly be kind of interesting i don't i don't know is that the combination of like the people who are there like i've actually got a friend who went to one 
that was kind of like this in Mexico relatively recently. And you go down there for two or three weeks and you do kind of weird stuff and you leave feeling refreshed. And if there was some kind of like tension between the people who are there to do that kind of thing, just to be like, you know, life feels kind of overwhelming. I'm going to take two or three weeks off and work on myself. And then you've got these like seriously like damaged women who all know each other and are trying to work through this like incredible trauma they experienced. Like that kind of juxtaposition would be kind of interesting. But to me, it just seems more like it's like a, it's like a camp for adults. It's like you, you go there, you do some stuff. It's supposed to de-stress you. It's supposed to help you like reset your mind. And then you go back to your people. Kevin Flynn? Yeah, I mean, see, the only... By the way, I do not trust Lottie. I, I do not think she is one Why of the not? good ones. Why I mean, Be- she seems so above board. Because teenage Lottie is the one wearing the antler crown. And all this, I mean, we believe. I don't know. She just, she comes up sort of as a mild antagonist where I feel like her purposes, she, you, you know, she's at cross purposes with sort of the rest of the group being normal. It seems like she's the one that drags them into this whatever weird thing we're going to get to. But in the present day, to me, the wellness center or cult or whatever the purple people eaters are. Oh my God, purple people eaters. I think I just I just uh, I just unlocked the whole thing. Um, whatever they are, the only way it would make sense is if Lottie took her knowledge or skills or abilities that she learned in the wilderness and was found a way to translate that and make it work in present day, either in a benevolent way or a malevolent way. But it just again just seems to be like okay, sit in this in the uh, in the uh, sensory deprivation chamber, or why don't we go and. You know, pick strawberries and, you know, don't kill the the lamb. You know, just play with the sheep all day. Like, that doesn't, other than the fact that they apparently have that symbol drawn into the courtyard, it doesn't seem to, like, make any sense. Now, maybe all this stuff gets put together and everybody's listening and says, well, if you guys had waited until you seen the season finale, you would have said, oh, this all makes sense and it's wonderful. But it just kind of, it leaves me disappointed. I would join that cult. They seem to have good smoothies. Just going to leave it there. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Yellow Jacket Season 2? I should say, we all put Yellow Jacket Season 1 near the tops of our lists for last year. Laura Brooker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Yellow Jacket Season 2? Um... So here's where I'm landing with this. I watched it. I mean, I wanted wanted to see what happened in season two. I watched it. I I watched it. I wanted to see what happened in season two. This wine was alcoholic. (laughs) One point. (laughs) But... So I, I've rated other shows like this. I'm going to go thumbs sideways because it, there was issues with it. I felt like it was stagnated. I feel like, yeah, I learned some stuff. Yeah, there's some things that were answered that I wish weren't answered the way they were in the plot. But I'm going to keep watching season three when it comes out because I want those freaking answers. And I'm hoping that this is just sort of like the we're setting everything up for the big reveal when we actually get to season three of this. And I don't think we should be doing more than three seasons of this show. I think that is plenty, but I want to know the answers. I want to know, does Shauna in real life really turn into like a giant saw and kill everybody in her neighborhood? These are questions I have. They were not answered in season two, but I liked season one enough that I am going to keep watching to see what happens in season three. Laura, I want all of your podcast reviews to start with, well, I listened to it, <laughs> which was literally what your assignment was. Toy Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Yellow Jacket season two? So after the first season of Yellow Jackets, even though, you know, it had its problems and stuff, I was really like looking forward to season two. After season two, like I could really care less if I watched season three. Uh, I just, I think you could very easily 
skip this entire season and watch the previously on Yellow Jackets <laughs> segment before the first episode of season three and get about as much as you needed to out of this entire season. That being said, you know, it, it's kind of more of the same, but it's just too much more of the same, right? It's just, there's not enough moving along of the plot. There's not enough character development. There's not enough, you know, any of the things that you look for in like a long series to happen over, you know, eight episodes. So, uh, yeah, I'm a thumbs down. Uh, I, it, this just seemed like a big disappointment. It seemed like it went from a pretty fresh, interesting show to one that by not doing anything fresh and interesting compared to the first season, just ended up seeming kind of dull and more of the same. And um, when the thing's over, I mean, we haven't, we haven't seen the last episode, but we went away from the last episode it just doesn't seem like a whole hell of a lot has happened to change the situations where people are right now. Kevin Flynn. You know, I can't give it a thumbs down because I'm just still so intrigued by the overall story. However, I've got to go thumb sideways on this and I'm terribly disappointed because it just feels like this really fantastic show ran in place for six episodes and didn't really start to try to advance either of the narratives until the end. They've taken away nearly all of the stakes of the present day timeline and they've teased a few things out, but they've in the, the teenage timeline, we seem to be moving towards what we, we thought uh, they were going when we saw, you know, the opening scene of the whole series but it's just it's just been a drag. It really has. And I'm still in. I'm going to watch season three. I'm hoping that, you know, they know where they went wrong. You know, a lot of times that middle act, if you look at a three act player or a three act show, that middle act does like not get the job done. A lot of times that you have to slog through it. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, they uh, they ruminated too long on things that they thought we would find interesting, and now they got to get back on the horse and uh, you know get us back to the you know the big slurp that we saw at the beginning. Yeah, thumbs down for me. Hugely disappointing. This was my number one thing of uh, last year, like by far. I loved it so much. This is the problem, and um, I know this is a spoiler-free section, but. The beginning of Yellow Jacket season one, we know that there's cannibalism. Literally, it's the first fucking scene of the first season of episode one. We also know that at the beginning of season one, that Shauna is pregnant, but doesn't have that baby in the present day, right? Like, there are things that we know in the present that, are, that, that were touchstones in the past that should not have taken eight episodes for us to learn the unfolding of. This was two episodes of television told over an eight-episode span. And the thing that we were waiting for was all the adult women to get together. It took like six episodes for all the adult women to get together. It took many, many episodes to learn how cannibalism came about. It's like everything just took forever and it feels like it's still taking forever even though we're like one episode away from the finale as we tape this it's just so incredibly disappointing uh in so many ways and like the things that like undergirded the suspense have just sort of been pulled out from under us and the thing that makes me so sad about it is that like i love these actors so much and they just like deserve better because season one was just so resplendently awesome so no knock on the actors, uh, you know, no knock on the people who worked on the show, but the writing of this season, blue. So yeah, big thumbs down for me for season two of Yellow Jackets, but I'll 100% watch season three to see if it redeems itself. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of crime the week. Crime of the week! Someone has returned a long overdue book to a California library. The St. Helena Library says an anonymous person returned a book that was checked out in 1927. Which book? The History of the United States. 
First published in 1892, the tome reappeared when a man dropped it on the desk, said something about his father, then left without paying the $1,700 overdue fine. The book itself isn't in great shape. It no longer has a spine. It likely won't be returned to the shelf because who knows how long it might be gone for after the next time it gets checked out. Panel, this history book is missing 140 years of American history. What is the first thing you will add to its missing pages? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Um, I'm going to be adding all the information from the Crime Writers on Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> so that we are memorialized in this book. Toyball, what do you think? What is the first thing you will be adding to this book's missing pages? 2003 NCAA Basketball National Championships. Kevin, what about you? I'm going to add all the stuff about that Beanie Baby craze <laughs> and Lululemon. Uh, I'm not adding anything. I'm just subtracting season two of Yellow Jackets gotcha. from that book. No one wants to add glue <laughs> to the spine. <laughs> Keep the pages in there. All right, Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you, make suggestions for you of what to add to this book of American history. How can they find you on social media? At Laura Bricker. Toyba, what about you? How can you be found on social media? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, how can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page. Just go to regular Facebook, look for our page, hit join the page, and we'll let you in if you're nice. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement where we also draw cards to choose which crime writer we'll eat next. Laura. Kevin. <laughs> now it's Laura. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Who knows how long it might be gone for after the next time it gets checked out. Who knows it might be long? Wait. Who knows how it might be? Wait. Wait. Because who knows how it might? Wait. I'm not saying this right. Because who knows how it might long? It- <laughs> because who might? I can't. I know what you're trying to say, but I can't say it right. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home.